0: All right, back in here on Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, the game. Nick Braden, d Marquise, good to have you in here live on a Thursday as we take you up until 10 o'clock. Darren Donick and Chase come your way at that time but right now it is time once again to go behind enemy lines we do it each and every week as we get a preview of the titans opposition for this upcoming sunday and we welcome in matt money smith of the world famous petros and money show out in los angeles also doubles as the play-by-play voice of the los angeles chargers matt we appreciate a few how are you
1: Oh, good to be with you, Nick. Braden, Derek, what's happening?
0: Good to have you in. Um, you tell us what's happening with the Chargers. I know we have our own issues here in Nashville, but coming off of that performance last week where you guys lose at home to Devlin Hodges of all quarterbacks in the Pittsburgh Steelers, where's this Chargers franchise at right right now?
1: I wish I could answer that. Uh, don't know. Um, you know, I think coming out of that loss to Detroit, You you walk off the field, and, you know, it was a feeling they did not have at all last year, save in the divisional round of the playoffs, getting on a plane, flying home, you know, just kind of wondering what the heck happened, uh, as opposed to just getting on a plane last year every game and and flying home with a win in a celebratory mood. And I think after that Detroit game, everyone felt like, well, you know what, we were the better team on that field. I mean, just dominated the game and had crucial penalties and, you know, a turnover, a fumble at the one on a first and goal, uh, two touchdowns taken off the board. For just stupid holding penalties and two missed field goals in a game you lost by three but ever since then uh it's been a different story they've been outplayed i mean save miami who's barely fielding a a team that belongs to the nfl right now um every one of their opponents i think has been the better team on the field uh the texans the broncos i thought the steelers were the better team uh even with old duck hodges you know playing quarterback just defensively they manhandled the Chargers up front, and and offensively, the offensive line was able to to get push on that Chargers defensive line, and I think it's led this team. that's certainly got a ton of talent on it. Kind of scratching their heads, trying to figure out how they can right this ship before it's too late. And I, I you know, I'm not saying it's already too late, but you know, when you lose at home. And you look at the way the slate laid out and you have that game in Detroit and you have a Texans team that you're up on ten, you know, by 10 at the half and then they just completely take over the second half. I, I'm almost wondering, you know, if these lines are, are giving up too much defensive and offensive for this team to win games. And, and you guys know what you have in Tennessee as far as the front goes. I think it's going to be a heck of a, a task for them to try to get this thing right against that front.
2: Duck Hodges, by the way, sounds like a third baseman for the Pirates in like 1967. <laughs> um, he, he also plays quarterback that for the right, Steelers. Sure does yeah? Um, so uh, you know, listen, the Chargers, are, the Chargers are top five in the NFL and turning the football over. They're making mistakes. You've pointed to the issues on the offensive line as it compares to the matchup with the Titans. W- what about the front seven? We we know that there's talent there for the Chargers and that they can get after a quarterback when given the chance. The Titans' offensive line is is downright atrocious right now. How concerned, as, as they switch to Ryan Tannehill, who, again, I'm not sure if that's going to change the offense much because the offensive line is still terrible. W- what what does the front seven present from a challenge standpoint to the Titans' offensive line?
1: When healthy, I, I think it presents a huge challenge. Uh, it's just not healthy. You know, I mean, Melvin Ingram is, is not practiced this week. Um, Shenandoah is a good player. Uh, he's a very good player, but he's not Melvin Ingram. And, you know, has just been getting double-teamed to death. Um, every single game, and, you know, Jerry Tillery has not quite come around as quickly as they might have liked. He's a rookie. You cut him some slack, but uh, that has not helped solve their issues in the middle of that defensive line. I know, you know, Brandon Nebane and Justin Jones are dealing with some injury issues. Um, I mean, it's just been attrition, to be honest with you. Um, the linebacking core was great in the first couple of weeks with Thomas Davis and Kaiser White and, you know, a lot of athleticism with Nwosu playing a linebacker spot as well. Um, along with kind of that that stout punch of Denzel Perriman, and, and it's just kind of fallen off. I think I think one of the big issues they've had, and, and it's obvious, right? I mean, Derwin James was probably the best safety in football last year, and he's been out all season, but it is clear that teams are attacking that strong safety spot. Um, they're doing it with screens. They're doing it with the run, going right at this undrafted free agent, Roderick Teamer, and and he's really struggled. Um, You know, it almost looks like he's guessing, on a lot of snaps, and he tends to guess wrong, and, and that's going for big plays in the short passing game, and it just, you know, I, I I don't mean to be so negative, and I'm not trying to be negative for a team that's got four losses that you thought might be five and one at this point, but it just seems like that loss of Derwin Jameson, specifically his backup Adrian Phillips, because he was holding it down, and I think that was kind of the key. It's almost like the linchpin in, And it's just been pulled with Teamer in there, and and I think they're scrambling to try to help him out as he gets caught up and and feels comfortable in an NFL game. And and I think that's led to a lot of these issues. And and if you look at that Broncos game, if you go back and watch it, what they did, those first two drives to go up 14-0 and lean on that great defense of theirs, um, a lot of that was just kind of directly a result of them finding, you know, and my daughter plays lacrosse, they call it the Cheeto, that that's what Roderick Teamer was, and it was just repeatedly going at him. Um, there's the Cheeto. Let's go get him.
3: Now, Melvin Gordon, you know, he's he's he missed his game because of his holdout. He's back now, but he wants more carries. Uh, Anthony Lynn, who's a former running back in this league, he's the head coach now. Um, how do they try to balance that, trying to get him more carries, knowing that he just got back, and is he in football shape or not? But they know that if he gets more carries, the likelihood of this team being successful successful goes up because he's a two dimensional back. He's a back that can run out the he, he can run between the tackles, but also catch the ball out the backfield.
1: Yeah, Derek. I mean, and you can speak to this better than I can. Um, when when you go back and you watch the film, and they're doing that, they're giving him more carries mm-hmm. than Eckler. And look, Eckler was arguably one of the best all around backs in the game through four weeks. Um, you're talking about putting up 120 yards, you know, on the ground and through the air, and, and averaging over a touchdown and a half per game in those first four. Before Melvin came back, Melvin comes back, he get, Eckler gets three carries in that game against the Broncos, and he gets five carries in that game against the, the Steelers after averaging 12 to 15. And, and I don't know if if Melvin's got to get in football shape, if he's just trying to. I guess, make up for all that time lost in training camp and all those practices. And, I mean, you know what a practice week looks like during the Mm -hmm. season compared to that month of training camp. But, man, you look and it's almost like he's just not quite seeing the holes that are there or his patience isn't quite there to let some of these holes open up. And he's, you know, sticking his helmet in the rear end of wide receivers that are trying to block for him. And and I think they're trying to dance, you know, and, and walk that line of, we know how good this guy is and how important he is to our team. But is he ready yet to contribute when we have a pretty darn good back in Eckler that's either not on the field or on the field and not getting the touches that kind of led this offense to be pretty darn good through the first four games of the season? And, and I look, I do not envy Ken Wisenhunt and, and Coach Lynn and trying to figure it out because it just – and it's not on Melvin. The offensive line is down a Pro Bowl center and a, and a Pro Bowl left tackle. <laughs> Russell O'Coon and Mike Pouncey, and that is huge. They've got an undrafted free agent playing left tackle. Their left guard is now playing center, and a guy who hadn't played in two years is playing left guard. So, I mean, that's a big part of it as well. It's not all on Melvin, but but I do think that's that's a tough sort of dance for them to figure out, you know, how can we get Melvin back in this thing because we certainly need him, but it's coming at the expense of probably the guy who's a better back right now.
0: Matt, short of Tom Brady and Russell Wilson there's not a quarterback I love more than Phillip Rivers, just the gyrations the intensity, you know, ripping off the chin strap, holding players accountable, yelling and screaming I can't get enough Philip Rivers, but I also realize father time is undefeated, we're seeing, you know, Drew Brees has been injured this year, Ben Roethlisberger Andrew Luck is retired are we getting close to the finish line on Phillip Rivers, or does he still have plenty of years left in the tank?
1: I think he does. Um, and I just kind of go back again to those first four games. And I, and I thought, and again, it's Miami and it's a, it's a shame we have to do that in the NFL and, and offer that pretext when we talk about a game. But in that game, he was down two offensive linemen. Um, and he, you know, and he was playing a back in Austin Eckler, who's supposed to be your sort of change of pace second back along with a guy who had played in one NFL game prior, Troy Main Pope. Uh, he had a two practice squad receivers. Uh, and a third-string tight end, and a a just-signed-off-the-street Lance Kendricks. And yet the guy goes out and throws for 350, two touchdowns. Uh, One guy catches the first touchdown of his career. Two other guys, Jeremy Davis, uh, catches his third career catch. Andre Patton, his first-ever career catch. And I think that speaks to what is still a great quarterback who has a couple years, I think still a couple years, left. Um, He... That offensive line really was an issue all of last year, and because he is just so darn good at diagnosing defense and getting the ball out and throwing with anticipation, it masked a lot of those issues. And he went on to have a Pro Bowl season and help guide his team into the second round of the playoffs and 12 regular season wins. We saw that early in the year. Um, in these last two games, I think you've seen it get away, and the turnovers are there, and I think the frustration creeps in. For someone who thought this might finally be his year. And I think, I think that's the one thing you mentioned, the gesticulation and the emotion. For someone who plays, you know, and it's a, it's a positive and a negative, right? We know how tough that is for these football players and what they have to go through in those 60 minutes. And when you're pouring your guts out and you just feel like, wow, this was supposed to be my year to win a Super Bowl. And look at what has happened injury-wise. Um, just talent wise and what it feels like is a bit of a disparity when they step on the field because of who's playing as opposed to who should be playing. I think it's more of a frustration thing for Philip as opposed to a performance and decline in performance with age thing. And, and I think that's something he struggled with his whole career. You know, he is an emotional player. And, and if you talk to people, they say, if there's one thing you'd like to change and you don't want to change anything about Philip, but if you could change one, just not being too emotional and being able to let things go when they go wrong.
0: Matt, always uh, appreciate the insight and the time. Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate it.
1: All right, guys. We'll see you on Sunday.
0: Appreciate you got it. Matt Money Smith, play by play voice of the LA Chargers. As the Chargers come to Nissan Stadium on Sunday, 3.05 kick here in Nashville. Two teams sitting at 2 and 4, looking to uh, give their second half of the season a little bit of life and purpose.
2: Far less optimism than I expected mm-hmm. about that team.
0: Yes, indeed. Speaking of optimism, though, what about the head coaching matchup on Sunday? Mike Vrabel, Anthony Lynn. We've got some details coming up next on both of them. Stay there. Predators and the Coyotes tonight here on ESPN Five. The game. We'll talk some Preds with Hal Gill. Coming up in just about 12 minutes. he will stop by. And he's okay if I call him Skillsy in any setting. Well, there you go. It's are. been confirmed on Twitter. Well,
3: as long as he's take that giving haters you confirmation. As
0: long as he's giving
3: you the okay, then
0: so be it. Yeah, you Have go. at it, buddy. All right. Uh, how about this NFL head coaching odds for the next guy to be fired? Mm-hmm. And I bring this up because two of the top four will be doing battle Sunday at Nissan <laughs> Stadium. So, according to Bet Online, the next most likely head coach to be fired is Dan Quinn from the Falcons, three to two odds. Right behind him, though, Anthony mm. Lynn with the Chargers at three to one. Jason Garrett also three to one, and Mike Vrabel, come on down at four to one odds.
3: Okay, that seems pretty. I don't think Did it's it remotely. Did the Chargers happening. go to the playoffs last year? Uh-huh. Yeah, and they won, a, they won a game on exactly. the road, right? And they are, what, six games into the season? So Two and four. It. Two and four.
0: My pick to win the AFC yeah. this year.
3: And this is what vintage San, mean, uh, excuse me, L.A. Chargers. They start off slow for whatever reason, injuries or whatnot, then they seem to pick it up toward the end. And I can't see Anthony Lynn after what? This is his third year. I believe fourth so. Year. I can't see if he's on a hot seat. He just took his team to the playoff. Okay. They won the game in the playoff. Um, I can't see him on a hot seat. Now, Dan Quinn, on the other hand, yes. Mike Vrabel, no. Again, I don't, he's sort of like Anthony. I can't see him after a year and six games. No, he's not on a hot seat.
0: Vrabel tee. actually higher odds to be fired than Doug Marone and Freddie Kitchens.
2: See, that. Well, now Freddie Kitchens in his first year. Just by definition, you'd assume yeah. less likely because first year versus second year. Uh-huh. Again, what what purpose does it serve football to be firing coaches in two seasons? Yeah, I mean. what, what, in college or pro. What what purpose does it serve? Unless it is so so unbelievably obvious. Exactly.
3: This guy is not the dude. Like I don't. What's the point of that? Even 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 Carol. I mean, not Carolina, but the Cardinals. The way they did their coach after one season I thought was bad. And they hadn't gotten any better results this Steve, year. Steve Wilkes, yeah. Yes, they hadn't really gotten any better results this year. Yeah, they won again. game. They won, what, two games, tied one. But they're still a team that is struggling. Um, not too many times do you see in any professional setting they're going to fire the coach after one year uh, or a year and a half
0: it's it would be difficult to pull the plug on a guy like Anthony Lynn because Melvin Gordon missed the first four games. Mm-hmm. Derwin James is out for the year. Exactly. So I mean but once again though, you know we talked about themes of certain franchises early in the show today. Mm-hmm. Is it me or the Chargers just ravaged by injuries every year? They it seems like every year. Like is, Keenan and Allen goes Keenan down every Allen, year.
3: Allen is someone else. Um you know, they've always for some reason has They've been in a situation where they got to overcome injuries and then once they finally get healthy, you see the team that many thought they would would be. Um, and it's no different this year. There, you know, Melvin Gordon misses because he choose he chose to, but right. he missed, you know, the first four games of the season, five games of the season. Derwin James, who could be their best defensive player, he's gone for the season. They dealt with injuries the last past yeah. year and, and guys not being available. So it's just almost as if the Chargers are snake bitten mm-hmm. when it comes to injuries. And then they gotta sort of overcome it. And luckily they have Phillip Rivers as quarterback that they think that they can overcome it uh, when they need to. So it's going to be interesting this game this week with the the Titans and the Chargers uh, because two teams that are headed down the same sort of on the same path. And this victory will, you know, obviously push one team one way and push the other team the other. This is a must-win for both organizations. I think.
0: It feels like an elimination game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. It I mean, is. I know the Colts were one and five last year, but no, they had Andrew Luck and a great offensive line.
3: Yeah, it's, it.
2: It was different. And 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 the, the the problem is is that the Titans are healthier. That that's the problem is that the Titans' issues are like they're not good enough. The Chargers' issues are we've lost a lot of people to injury mm-hmm. and. Or, or Gordon to suspension or, exactly. or, or, excuse me, sitting out or whatever. Like, there's there's a difference between why they are where they are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're a Chargers fan, you can sort of at least cope a little bit with it. The I think, you know, again, the biggest struggle, if I was a Titans fan, would be we had this issue last year along the offensive line, and we thought we fixed it by mm-hmm. spending money on it and a draft pick. And it doesn't mean it's not going to improve. There's mm-hmm. actually a chance that this offensive line could improve with Lawan playing more than... Two games uh-huh. with with Nate Davis playing more than two games with maybe Dennis Kelly taking over a role like there are things that could like in theory this offensive line could get better as the uh-huh. season gets along goes along but outside of that you're sort of just hoping that that the coaching staff and the players just develop and get better like that's all you could like it's not like they're injured right now it's not like they're missing two of their start it's not like the Cowboys who don't have their two tackles playing you know it, they've got all their pieces now and so. Saffold just isn't Big Raj. Just isn't living up to the forty-four million-dollar check he got. So um, that's the. I think that's the frustrating part. If you know, it's it's one thing to look at your star running. If Derrick mm-hmm. Henry had held out for five games, and you know, it, obviously they they are now actually dealing with, dealing with an injury with Jayon Brown, which is critical because again, he's the guy that communicates with D&Ps on the sideline every single play. So you're mm-hmm. going to need like the, he's an important. Piece to monitor as the week goes along from an injury standpoint, but they've been healthy largely. And that's the that's the terrifying part if you're a Titans fan.
0: Big finish coming up at nine forty five this morning. Predators tonight take on the Arizona Coyotes' final leg of a three game road swing before they come back to Bridgestone Arena. We'll come back and talk to our pal Hal Gill. He'll join us next from Arizona. It's morning drive here on a Thursday. We're back after this on ESPN one oh two five again.
2: Everybody needs the internet, right? Hello, Internet. (laughs) Yours truly here. Almost every minute of the day, you need the Internet. Because, hey, you got shows to stream, emails to reply to, lots of LOLs. You got to smash that like button on social media all the time. Watch those silly Twitter videos. That's why you need Xfinity. You can get the fastest, most reliable Internet with gig speeds available. So you can get online and get down to business faster. And Xfinity delivers enhanced network security. So all of your connected devices are protected. Get instant alerts when strangers are trying to hop on your network. Set curfews with parental controls and pause your Wi-Fi at dinner time. That's life with Xfinity, the best internet provider in America, according to speedtest.net. Now that's simple, easy, and awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet for $20 a month for 12 months with a one-year agreement. Or get four times the speed for just $10 more a month for 12 months. Plus, add Enhanced Network Security. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires eco-bill and auto-pay. Offer ends one Restrictions apply. New performance starter, 25 megabits per second. Internet customers only. Equipment, taxes, and fees extra and subject to change after term regular rates apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Skillsy coming up next on Morning Drive.
0: Morning Drive. Welcome back in. Nick Braden, D. smart Smart He's here on a Thursday game day. Predators Wrapping up their West Coast trip tonight with the Arizona Coyotes. Of course, you can hear this man right here on 102.5 The Game. Hal Gill joins us, and he's brought to you by Puckets. Skillsy. good morning. How are you?
4: I'm great, guys. How are you doing?
0: Good to have you in. We're doing well. Uh, before we get down to the, the, the real serious business, I saw uh, you consumed the new Joker movie. Uh, I personally saw it opening night. Thought that um, Joaquin Phoenix nailed the role to a T, totally different spin on the character. What did you think of it? I know you saw uh, you put out a couple of things on Twitter.
4: Yeah, it's um, wow, that's disturbing, isn't it? It's a little bit. It was a great performance. Um, it, honestly, that's not my kind of thing. I want to go to a movie and feel good after, and I was absolutely <laughs> devastated. Uh, but a, but a great great performance. Uh, it was very impressive.
0: Speaking of great performances, we're going to see uh, probably two really good goaltenders with great performances. Peck is obviously off to a great start, but uh, the I want to get your perspective on Arizona's goaltender Darcy Kemper, who's been on just an absolute tear in his last 12 performances and this season so far has been virtually flawless. We know the Preds offense has been clicking on all cylinders so far, but that should be a pretty stiff challenge tonight.
4: Yeah, you know, Rick Talkin has his team playing some pretty good defense, and uh, Darcy Kemper has really been a product of that. Um, not to take anything away from him, but uh, you know they're not—they're a team that's not going to take many chances. They—they they keep it simple. Um, you know they use each other, and and then Darcy's been playing well for him. So uh, the Preds have their work cut out for them. Like, you know I don't think if they try to take too many risks and turn the puck over, uh, I think Arizona will take advantage of it. Um, they just have to be willing to play a, a simple, smart game and, and move pucks and very similar to the game they played in Vegas.
2: How? What, what is it about when one team just somehow manages to sort of – listen, Arizona, for whatever reason, Nashville plays terrible hockey out there, by and large. They just have been <laughs> beaten. Even when they're clearly the better team, Arizona just somehow manages to win games. Just wh- What is it about certain buildings or certain teams that maybe just psychologically have – An advantage over another team
4: well you know i think what nashville did for years against teams where they just lock it down and play defensive hockey uh, i think that's what we've seen in arizona for a long time they they've never really gone out there there was a a day back when they were in phoenix downtown and they had guys like ronick and kachuk and um that was a different story then, but ever since then, I think just, they just—they really just locked down the neutral zone, and it's really difficult to play against. And in the playoffs, uh, when when I was playing against them, it was frustrating. You just have to keep it simple, and it's it's hard to get everything, uh, get your goals. So you you have to work for everything, work for every battle, get pucks deep, and and just keep, you know, keep with the program. You, you can't stray from the game or else they'll make you
3: pay for it. Now, Skills, how, how tough can it be for um, an individual uh, when they come into a new situation and they're expected to play at such a level um, and then it doesn't work out that way, and then the next following season they have to kind of do some things in the off season to try to get back to that level? And obviously, um, I'm talking about Kyle Turris. He, they brought him in here um, and they expected him to, be be one player he wasn't quite that player um last season but he's gotten off to a really good start um the first what six seven games of the season
4: yeah um you know when he came in i thought he was great he had some chemistry uh on the rush with with smith and fiala and they, they looked good and uh you know it went away i think in the playoffs came around it got to be physical and they didn't have enough beef on that line and then last year, I think was you know it's a perfect storm of uh, you know there's a there's a lot of things. Uh He had a couple of really bad injuries that he was battling through, and the power play was horrific for the team in general. Um, I think he's a power play guy that thrives off that. He gets confidence from that, and he never got that just like a lot of the players on the team. Uh, but this year, uh, what I really like is I, I think he's seeing the ice. Um, you know, if you look at him in the offensive zone, uh he's he's making small little subtle movements and then he's he's got his head up and he's he's seeing the back door defenseman sneaking down and he's he's seeing the, the the long pass through the neutral zone. He's seeing the little play, uh, you know, a little exchange in the corner and then attacking the net. Um you know, and then he's he's got a pretty good shot. So uh, I I've seen all of that this year. And I think it's just you know it's something that is he's got to come into his own and and uh, you know get that confidence and once he gets that it'll snowball and, and hopefully keep building.
2: Well, and I was going to say just following up right now he's carrying the fourth line. There's no reason to mess with that, right? I mean, obviously we don't know about Philip Forsberg's situation this evening, but but assuming sort of everybody's healthy and they're playing in their spots, don't you sort of want him to? continue to be a playmaker on the fourth line at center. I know they mess with him at wing, and he goes back to center. Just kind of take us through the dynamic of making a decision like, hey, this guy is good where he's at right now. Let's just let it ride.
4: Yeah, it's tough because, you know, in my head, I'm, the old school skillsy says, hey, you know, you can't – you need a fourth line that's going to give you some energy. Uh, but really, the, the Preds don't need that. They, they're getting energy from every line. And when you throw Kyle Terris on a fourth line, uh, if you have a a third pairing on D that you're trying to sneak out there, Kyle can make them pay. He can uh, can do that. And so it it allows you to to do some different things and and have a much more balanced attack. I mean, the first few home games that the Preds had, it was four lines were humming. And uh, offensively, it's tough to play against that. And I don't think the Preds have had that. For a long time. I don't I don't think the Preds had that that total depth and Duchenne kinda of spreads everything out, put Kyle Turris on the fourth line and he's been good there. So yeah, I don't think they need to mess with it. That that experiment with him playing on the wing was was a tough one. They wanted to try and make it work, but it, I just didn't think it was there.
0: Skillsy, let's just say you're a Predators fan and you've been on Pluto for the first six games of the season and you just got dropped back off on Earth and you pulled up the NHL.com stats and you said, whoa, Predators have a power play goal in five of their first six games, 22.7%, good for 14th in the NHL. What would you say Dan Lambert has done to fix this? I mean, how would you quantify and qualify the blueprint of Dan Lambert's power play and the success he's had?
4: Um, you know what? I, I think it's just a new perspective. Um, you know, he's done it I talked to Craig Smith uh the other day and, and I, I think, you know, every guy going through on that power play and, and everyone, you know, obviously the top guys they spent a ton of time working on it in training camp. That first power play I think they at one point they were just on the ice for two hours working on it. Um and they just beat in that confidence that they can move the puck quickly. And get it around. You know, the big thing, obviously, is that you have Duchenne there. But what I think Lambert is doing is, is saying, "Hey, we got all these options, and this is going to be an evolving power play. Well, you know, someone's going to take away Duchene. We're going to move it up over to Forsberg. Someone's going to take away the first power play, and that's when the second is going to step in and get it done. And so, um, man, they had the one passing play they had the other day where where he made an unreal save on Benino was one of the best passing plays I've seen from the Preds power play. And it was from their second unit, and they, they just, it was quick. They knew where each other were, and they just moved it quickly. And really, uh, to be a good power play, that's the biggest thing, is get it and move it. And I think they've done that. And Lambert has given, given them the, the confidence to go out and make those plays.
0: Skillsy, good stuff as always. We appreciate the time. We will be listening later on tonight. Thank you.
4: All right. Thanks, guys. Stay
0: you got it. Hal Gill joining us as he does always. Brought to you by Puckets every Thursday at 930 on Morning Drive. Um,
3: yeah. Um, I like what um, he, he had to say about um, tourists. And, you know, then you, know, you don't know what's going to happen in regards to injuries this game. But do you move him up? Do you, do you leave him where he's at? I mean, if he's playing well on the fourth line, just leave him there. And and you figure, you know, everything else will kind of work itself out. They got enough scoring. The way this offense yeah, is humming, exactly. I don't touch
0: a thing. Exactly. I, just I leave
3: it the way it is, yeah.
2: Now, yeah. the Forsberg issue may present exactly. challenges yep. to that.
3: Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, if you figure if it slacks a little bit on that line, then the other lines are still intact that they can kind of pick up pick up um some of the slack and and that's what you build a team for that if one guy's injured and he's gone for an extended period of time then the other guys behind him or other guys on other lines can pick up the slack and, and and continue to play um good hockey so um so
0: yeah all right coming up next we will give you another big finish here on morning drive on espn 1025 a game Welcome
1: Tennessee to Tuscaloosa. Saturday
0: night. Kickoff at 8 on ESPN
1: 949 Game 2 and 975 Murphy's Murfreesboro.
0: Hey Nashville, this is Eli Gold, voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, and you're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 the game.
1: We've had a big show. It's a
4: big show! And now
1: it's time for a big finish on Morning Drive.
0: That is correct. It is time for the Big Finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive. And the Big Finish, Braden Gall, is brought to you by...
2: Nashville SC. That's where you can buy season tickets to... <laughs> just gonna, just going to wait for the, the sound to come down. I don't know where that was coming from. Uh, NashvilleSC.com, inaugural season tickets to the MLS season uh, on sale right now for, for next year. So M- Nashville SC. .com with whoever's phone's on right now.
0: And uh, right now, also, if you want a pair of tickets to see Nashville SC against Atlanta United 2 this Saturday, October the 19th, just be caller number 5, 615-737-1025, and those tickets, they be yours. Let's get to the rewind. And we welcome you into a Thursday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, The Game.
2: What is up?
0: My cholesterol.
2: Oh, blood pressure? Uh, blood pressure's pretty good today. Ang- anxiety levels? Pretty low. That's good. Well,
0: it's only my anxiety only gets high on Titans game days. I was going to
2: say Sunday around 4 o'clock.
0: Yeah, when I see a quarterback drop back to throw and Big Raj is at the uh, the helm of protection. Oh,
2: you're already ripping on Big Raj. We're like three sentences into the show, man. I think, I
0: think Big Raj might be my punching bag until further notice. <laughs>
3: I like that Big Raj. Big Raj. They thought they were getting saffled, but they got Big Raj. Yes. Big Raj is the guy Maybe that you like walk in the bar downtown, and you and your boys, and, and, and y'all meeting up with some other guys, and Big Raj is the guy nobody knows. And so you walk in, hey, fellas, this is my boy, Big Raj. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, hey, Big Raj, what's up? And Big Raj is happy-go-lucky. Big Raj don't mess with yeah, nobody. No, does, no. He,
2: does he have one of the straps <laughs> of the overalls undone? Yes. <laughs> yes.
3: So he's only got like got one. Big Raj is there. Big Raj is ordering r- beers forever. Everybody. Yeah. Big Raj um.
0: works construction, he's got the t-shirt pocket with the pack of cigarettes in there. Yeah, he goes to the bar when he's done, he grabs a couple of Bud Lights. Is there anything that Marcus can learn from this? John, but Grable did say he does not want a revolving door. I fully believe that both quarterbacks are going to start
2: a game at some point over the course of the last 10 games of the season. You're going to need both guys. That's what I believe. I could be totally wrong. I just don't think that Ryan Tannehill is going to walk out there and start playing much better football so that it's so obvious. The offensive line all of a sudden going to learn how to block, and he's going to stay healthy and upright. I just don't have any faith in the organization, in the team, in the offense, in the coordinator, in the offensive line. I don't have any faith in that sort of growing and developing under a guy that we have 10 years of film on that says he's
3: not all that good. When they decided to make this move, and they said Ryan Tannehill was our guy, they didn't say he's our guy until or unless. They said this This is our guy moving forward. Now, if he just falls off the cliff, then obviously you got to go, or if he gets injured, then obviously you got to make all, some decisions. That's all I'm saying. But that's, this is not a co-starter thing. This is not a, well, if he plays bad in the third quarter, they're going to pull him. No, if he plays well and then have a bad quarter, they're going to keep him in. It's not about they want to see how well he moves his offense. That's what they want to see. They might not even win the game this weekend. If that offense looks different with him at the helm, he's staying there.
2: There seems to be a line now in Nashville where it's like, I don't want to hear how good of a guy he is. Right like, Same
0: thing with Derek Mason, the Vandy coach.
2: And and well, I thought you were gonna talk about our Derek Mason. I was like, no, he's Oh, a, he's definitely a good guy. He's
0: nice, he's a nice guy. <laughs> But, Gave me a TV,
2: so I, I think there's a, <laughs> and a car. That, that's a legit thing, by the way. When you give someone a any TV bigger than 45 inches, you've you've gone above and beyond the call of duty of, of a friendship. It
0: was nice of Derek <laughs> to give me his 45 inch. <laughs> We welcome in our pal Joe Road from the Athletic.
1: Right now, I will tell you guys, you know one way or another, Marcus Mariota is probably going to end up on that field again this year. I mean, he and Tannehill both have, have injury history, so you know it may not be the end of him doing something for this team, but it's the end of the idea that he'd be the long term fix or the long term solution.
4: And D mates, we need you on the court, man.
3: Hey, I'm I'm there.
1: I don't, well, okay. but, but, I mean, hey, but so
2: I, uh, I suggested on Twitter that this was a team thing. Like, I want 102.5 Morning Drive to take on The Athletic. Oh. And Joe Retro oh, immediately oh, was like,
4: give me, Joe
1: you're immediately
2: you're was like scared. You were scared and you ran away.
4: <laughs> you're going to give me
1: Bingen and Glennon. I, I, I couldn't play a game of horse with them. Come
2: <laughs> We have a separate beef Mm -hmm. that is just Nick and I versus Marquise and Calvin. That's a separate thing we've got to do. That's an in-house beef. That's an in-house beef. But then Mm -hmm. we we, we circle the wagons. Yeah. When morning drive we got a media beef.
0: Just like the Buffalo Bills. When
2: we go four on four and it's the four of us We'll, we'll take anybody. Yeah, we'll
0: any it would be anybody. It doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't matter Bring what company on. you work Bring for, what medium you work in. The four of us right here will take every what television. Every television cha- station too. What are you gonna do?
3: Yeah, channel two for whatever. It don't I, I would put I don't this collection. You work I would for. Yeah. put the Bring
0: four it. of us against any media outlet in yes. this city. And we welcome in Matt Money Smith.
1: Every one of their opponents, I think, has been the better team on the field. I'm almost wondering, you know, if these lines are are giving up too much, defensive and offensive, for this team to win games. And and you guys know what you have in Tennessee as far as the front goes. I think it's going to be a heck of a, a, a task for them to try to get this thing right against that front.
0: Let's talk about this Alabama student that called oh in a bomb threat at Tiger Stadium on Saturday night to alter the LSU-Florida game because, and here's his reasoning, he has a reason for this, he was on the verge of losing a large bet. Well, then that's totally acceptable. It just Job mean, well done by him.
2: It just means <laughs> too
0: much. It means stupidity. It and just, no, it wasn't me. It just, I was on the right side. I had LSU. They How don't know serious the, yeah, the things quiet. they do are Dude, in college. seriously. Hey, you ever been on the wrong side of trying to cover a spread? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a good feeling. <laughs> This 20-year-old was arrested for having a fake ID, and guess what his ID said? It was a Hawaii ID with the name Mick Lovin on it, and it was date of birth 0603-1981. So- Speaking of fake IDs, the best was when uh, in rush hour, Chris Tucker gives Jackie Chan his police ID. Oh, my God. And Jackie Chan looks at it and he goes, they're never going to believe I'm 6'3". <laughs> so- Not the fact that I'm Asian and he's black, but no, I'm, I'm too short.
2: I had a fake ID when I was in college. i never had one. I'd never had I ne- one. I either. never had one either. Yeah. I had it for one thing. I needed it for one thing. And that was to, to go on a spring break trip my freshman year of college. Where'd you go? The Redneck Riviera, baby. Mm-hmm. Sandpiper Beacon. Yeah, but ice. One. I drank butt ice out of a keg for for, for, oh, wow. <laughs> for seven days straight.
0: Is spring break still a thing college kids do? Like uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Like yes. go to Fort Lauderdale, it, Florida. It's just, or... it's just bigger now. Like up shark. is still there.
2: No, you go to like Cabo. Okay. Or. K- K- These K- kids man. are going other places
3: now. Yeah, it's all fancy.
0: There's a really good spring break episode of Married with Children, <laughs> where where Bud and the uh, his college boys was it
3: Bud or was it Grandmaster B? <laughs>
0: it was Grandmaster B. It's a good yeah. pull by you. They go to Fort Lauderdale, and what do they find out? They find Alan Jefferson there judging Miss Spring Break. Yes,
3: I saw that. One. <laughs> it's Unbelievable
0: good. episode. Listen,
3: listen, we can beat them anywhere. We can beat them anywhere. Beat, we can in beat them in New England. We can beat them in Nashville. We can beat them in Gillisville. We can beat them at the Carpet Center. Anywhere. We can beat them at Bridgestone. We can beat them anywhere. Come on, guys. We got to be determined, man. We got to be determined. We're determined.
0: Vogel. <laughs> there you have it. The Morning Drive Daily Rewind. Good Lord. What a program.
2: We'll beat him in Murfreesboro. <laughs> Smyrna. We'll beat him beat anywhere.
3: We'll beat him in Spring Hill. We'll beat him anywhere. Jesus. Lower Antioch. <laughs> everywhere, anywhere. We're just determined. we got to be determined. It's, it's, it's
2: turning into like a South
0: Park <laughs> yeah. character.
3: Hey, guys. we <laughs> got to be <sighs> determined.
4: No kidding.
0: All right. Uh, quick That's final thoughts. we got so much tonight. you got the Predators and the Coyotes at 9 o'clock uh, Thursday Night Football. How about this one? Chiefs and the Broncos. Patrick Mahomes, dare I say it, on a two-game losing streak? Mm. Is that possible? Well, when you... With these magic grits?
3: <laughs> when <laughs> your it? defense is, can't stop anyone well, they've only scored football? Eight, and they've
2: only scored, like, eight, what, 18 points yeah. per game in that streak? Yeah, yeah, your quarterback's
3: banged up and, you know...
2: Keep, well, an, keep an eye on that. That's going to be yeah. interesting to is see. Is the
0: game plan real simple now? The Colts and the Texans have showed for two straight weeks... Just run at the Chiefs, shorten the game, and punch them in the face?
3: You're going to have to if you want to have any – because you can't try to score with them tit for tat because, I mean, you get into that type of game, man. I think Mahomes is going to beat you eight times out of ten. Um, what you got to do is you got to slow the game down. run the, Use their weakness. Use their weakness. Whatever their weakness is, and we know what it is. They can't stop the run. Okay, well, use your strength or what could be perceived as your strength against their weakness, and hold on to the ball for as long as possible because if Mahomes on the bench, he can't beat you on the bench last I checked.
0: Also tonight, a little Pac-12 action, UCLA and Stanford. The Cardinal down to their third-string quarterback, David Shaw, against Chip Kelly, who I think you mentioned uh, during one of the breaks this morning, UCLA's played 30 minutes of football all year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they scored
2: 50 points and a half against Washington State. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Came came back from a 32-point deficit, won the game. Uh, They've lost every other game. So, it's basically, UCLA's played one. This is one of the most uninteresting Thursday night games I can think of.
0: Won't even check in on
2: it? Uh, probably not. Not with baseball going on and the Preds and NFL. Yeah. and yeah, Okay. I, I, there's too much going on.
0: Yankees-Astros tonight, also in the ALCS. Tanaka against Granky. Oh, that should be a good one, and it's actually at Ta- a good time.
2: Tanaka's got to go deep in this game if the Yankees want to have any chance to to carry. they got to play four games in four days if they're going to. Yep. win the whole thing that that's bad that's bad news for a bullpen team the yankees are a bullpen team uh, how how quickly can you get back to verlander and cole because if you can get back to verlander and cole i i don't know how the yankees win the series but i don't know if the nationals are going to give them any run either either yep. team i don't you know this feels like the the world series right now
0: i'm what? done with baseball man you should be your dodger fan i'm uh, done
2: somebody asked us uh on Twitter, Somebody asked us on Twitter real quickly, what would the Royal Rumble of one oh two five five shows look like in a basketball tournament? Mm-hmm. You know, our show versus midday versus afternoon, uh, and I put the Vegas odds. You guys tell me what you think. I think you know Willie and D-Mace are the two best athletes. Mm-hmm. Clearly, um, I think we have the most athletic producer. I would mm-hmm. put Nick, you, and myself are our third and fourth on the list as far as athletes go. I would say Morning Drive minus 120. Uh, Darren, Donnick, and Chase, plus 150. Gerald and the coach,
3: plus 3,000. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Not Andre 3,000 either.
0: <laughs> no. <So>, Although well, they could use him. <laughs>
3: so those was about right? Yes. Those, about right? Yeah. Okay. Very good.
2: <laughs> plus 3,000, Gerald.
0: All right, that's it for us You're here on, a on a Thursday. Dog. Stay tuned. Darren, Donnick, and Chase. Damn. They are coming up next. They'll lead you into Jared and Floyd. And as Jared Stillman once famously said on social media when Ryan Tannehill was named the starting quarterback... Take care.
3: (laughs) Bailey DJ Nashville, I love you.